there is no genre and there is no like boundary of where the contributions or the contributors come from. It is eclectic by concept. You have a grindcore metal band from Kampala, Nairobi, and then you have vocal composers from London. Um, and then you have classically trained composers, you have visual artists who work with sound um, and so on and so far. So um, I think exhibiting at this stage is about the main team and how the individual artists interpret it. And then the collection of works within one edition so the single works might be strong, but the, the real strength of the project is the tensions between these contributions and how like the narration is expanded and the complexity is expanded through a polyphonic group of artists, voices, geopolitical contexts, interests, and so on. So I think this is like this very smooth curatorial line of collaboration and a common approach. You're listening to Ears Have Eyes on CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting from Treaty 7 territory in southern Alberta, home to the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsutina First Nation, the Stony Nakoda, and Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. We're your hosts, Caitlin Brown and Wayne Garrett. Every month we feature auditory art, experimental music, spoken word, and other recorded experiments from local, national, and international artists. We're dedicating most of this month's program to Fragments of Sonic Extinction, an exhibition and interactive sound art website instigated by German-Bulgarian artist-curator Kallis Libfried, whose voice you just heard, in collaboration with Toronto-based artist and co-curator Laura Margaret Ramsey. Fragments of Sonic Extinction explores the extinction of natural sounds, focusing on the sonic character of the extinction process and its relationship with cultural histories and global catastrophes related to the Anthropocene. The curators commissioned eight works from artists across the globe, presented live for an exhibition in Munich this May, and released on a multimedia website you can access from home sonicextinction.net. We're delighted to be working in collaboration with Callis and Laura to feature radio versions of all eight artworks over the next two episodes of Ears Have Eyes. Our two-part theme for this month and next is Sound Death, Endangered, Delicate, and Increasingly Rare. We'll return to our interview with Callis and Laura shortly. In the meantime, here is Cycles of Rebirth and Redie by conceptual media artist, performer, and experimental musician Aloise Yang. Using a large wildfire at the Czech-German border in 2022 as a point of departure, Aloise created a ring of fire with an ice block in the middle. Hydrophones capture the fire from inside the block of ice in a durational sonic happening, completed with the melting of the ice. The piece is a metaphor for the immeasurable extinction caused by forest fires around the world. This is Cycles of Rebirth and Redie from Fragments of Sonic Extinction.
In South Africa, on the western coast of the Cape of Good Hope, little north of Cape Town, lies Saldana Bay. Here, there is a shore station from which ships set out towards the Antarctic seas in search of whales. This is a typical small whale, Steenberg. She is a vessel of about 100 tons and has a speed of about 14 knots. She carries a crew of 11. Well out to sea now, the Steenberg is kept on a southwesterly course by the man of the wheel. He has the ship's compass constantly under his eye. We are now in the region where whales may be expected. In the forecastle, the harpoon gun is ready. This is the rope that will be fastened to the harpoon itself. A power-driven winch is used for hauling in the whales. We must be on the alert now. Here is the lookout. He's climbing up to the crow's nest, nearly at the top of the tall mast.
You just heard a composition by Laura Margaret Ramsey and Callis Libfried, artist curators behind Fragments of Sonic Extinction, a sound art exhibition and interactive website, sonicextinction.net. Created under the moniker Dawn Phase, the piece you just heard, Junk Anima, uses sample-based synthetic sounds to illustrate the unique sonic experience of whales and its invisibilization by humans in Antarctic waters. The junk of a whale is the structure found in the forehead. This organ is key for communication and echolocation, but was originally labeled as worthless or junk by whalers. The International Association of Antarctica Tour Operators estimates that in 2023, over 100,000 tourists will visit Antarctica, a 40% increase from pre-pandemic years. While hunting and whaling has a visible effect on populations, tourism and other human activities often have invisible impacts. This work reminds us how often humans have labeled the anima of non-humans as junk, decentralizing the human narrative and shifting the ear towards our collective impact on whales and their habitat. We return to an interview with co-curators Callis Libfried and Ella M. Ramsey. Sound is, at the first place, very direct. It reaches the body, it reaches the organs, the ears, the, the organs in your belly, and very directly. You cannot avoid sound, very hardly. Sound is the well, maybe the most efficient uh, torture method uh, in a very bad sense, uh, but it is at the same time something that can calm you and can heal you. It is strong, direct. It is penetrating the body uh, in all senses. And at the same time, it's ephemeral, it's sensitive, it's, it's really, it's getting lost very easily. I think this is why sound can unite several topics around biodiversity decline, climate change, Anthropocene, um, and so on and so far. That, that sounds very, very cheesy, but it's emotional. In a way, if you see, if you read an article about the loss of sound, and there's a lot of data, a lot of numbers and good arguments, maybe that's, that's great to really understand and to feel what is happening. And if you listen to a sound about the voice of a species, which is already gone, it touches your senses. And at the same time, it is able to make you feel also responsible or kind of empathic towards very global and very heavy themes. I was thinking of a really direct example. Uh, you brought up Joel Toms, one of the commissioned artists for the second edition. And Joel, for the exhibition, actually placed um, two subwoofers in the large exhibition space. And um, his work was on uh, the elephant. But for the exhibition space, he used these low-frequency Solveggio frequencies, I think he called them, that are supposed to um, heal the space. So he was pushing these healing vibrations through this very large um, warehouse space that everybody could feel and respond to. And it wasn't a very direct, you know, discussion of the elephant. It was just this feeling or these vibrations that we were all experiencing. And you could all experienced this together, which was really nice.
You just heard Haunting Genetics of a Tuskless Mutation by London-based artist, educator, and experimental theorist, Joel Toms. This composition considers the epigenetic alterations in the remaining two species of African elephant that has resulted in a tuskless mutation resulting from ivory poaching and a loss of habitat. We now return to our interview with Fragments of Sonic Extinction co-curators Kellis Libfried and L.M. Ramsey. Callis and I worked together on the first edition. I was a commissioned artist. Uh, that's how we started working together. It's really great to have uh, collaborations across, um, you know, different countries because I might have knowledge of artists over he- here. Um, so I started introducing Callis to um, some artists that I was aware of, and we really just started compiling a really long list. Um, and I think that something that Callis told me at the very beginning of this, which was what really pulled me into the project, was that he didn't want this to be about traditional field recordings. You know, all of the works are responses and how how does the loss of sound or the extinction of sound make us feel? How do we respond to it? So in some ways, a lot of the works are quite abstracted. We worked together, um, you know, over the computer for over a year. Um, I had a lot of really great conversations with the artists about how the pandemic really shifted in a way that we're working with each other um, and how, you know, I felt brave enough to reach out to people who were so far away from me and to just start a dialogue because we can easily work through the computer and communicate in that way. Um, And it just really worked out timing wise that we could actually come together and be together and have good conversations with each other in person. This physical event really showed how concentrated the whole audience was. It wasn't packed, but all the people there were really focused on the works, on the topics, on the artists, and everybody had space to unveil everything. So um, in a way, it is kind of slowing down in a healthy way and not accelerating for no reason. So maybe this is also something the pandemic teached to me and to us maybe. As Laura mentioned, you can work globally. There was this global village for some time. There are no boundaries. Like commissioning someone on the other side of the world to create a new work um, is as normal as jamming with your bandmate. The website is the core of the project it will and will be the core of the project, even if there's a physical exhibition, showcase, concerts, performances, whatever comes or radio shows. The website is a growing project, commissioning works by sound artists and trying to yeah capture the complexity of what sonic extinction can be um so the first edition was really playful the approach was to create something that can be understood by kids and by grown-ups at the same time so it was colorful there are this swirly windy clouds and the background moving uh with the mouse with the cursor i have a five-year-old son and i've been showing him this and he got it within seconds so i think this is like the best 
a proof of user experience. Uh, <laughs> so, and with the second edition, we developed the web, the visual identity of the website uh, completely new. I mean, it turned from colorful uh, and playful to dark and symbolic, even mystic um, uh, visual identity. And the artists of the second edition, I have to say, this is what Laura and I were doing long conversations with the people, also long research, finding people who already work within these fields and maybe um, through exchange, we found out where to go with the contributions. Um, so in a way, I have to say this fragments is collaborative and it is like a playground. You've been listening to an interview with Kallis Libfried and L.M. Ramsey, co-curators and artists behind Fragments of Sonic Extinction, a sound art exhibition and interactive website which you can find at sonicextinction.net. We're taking a brief break from our interview to listen to Black Rhinos, shot to extinction for their horns by Duma, a Kenyan industrial grindcore and noise duo including vocalist Martin Kanja and guitarist and producer Sam Karugu. The band's name, Duma, means darkness in the Kikuyu language. In Kenya and more widely throughout African culture, the African black rhino is regarded as a symbol of power and strength. They play a crucial role in the environment as grazers, consuming large amounts of vegetation and helping to shape the African landscape. The local people depend on the natural resources within rhino habitat for food, fuel, and income. The illegal poaching of rhinos for their coveted horn has led to the near extinction of rhinos throughout Asia and Africa. Duma's work addresses this future by integrating their thunderous footsteps and high-pitched sounds as important collaborators that we have lost. This is Black Rhinos Shot to Extinction for Their Horns by Duma.
hallo, hallo, yeah, yeah. Go, far away, go, far away, hallo, 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 hallo. Oh, my God. 
You just heard Dance Off by composer, producer, and performer Heloise Turnstall Behrens and British Rwandan musician and sound artist Eau Claire. Dance Off was inspired by the concept of the colony of bees as one organism, seeking a site for a new hive. Each bee performs a waggle dance to tell the other bees the quality of the site and to recruit additional supporters. Gradually, a consensus is met once all the bees agree on the same site. Inspiration comes from the polyphonic singing of the Baka people of the Congo and Cameroon, whose melodies mirror the sounds of the forests where they live. Inspiration is also drawn from the interlocking melodies of the Mbira music of Mashona land in Zimbabwe, a process which is understood to lead to heightened physical states and helps provide insights about social and political difficulties that the group might be navigating together. We live in the era of sound recording and uh, sound archives and so on, but like 120 years ago, it wasn't possible. So only cultural artifacts were uh, able to really preserve and to make something accessible for future generations. So this is the core idea also of fragments to commission cultural artifacts for future generations. So I mean, also science and data change constantly, but a strong work about circumstances and loss of sound in the present, in the past, or a, a speculation about the future. This is something sustainable. Um, just to jump in, um, it's this experience has really shown me how important it is in order to build a community is to reach out and pull in individuals that are from completely different spaces I mean, moving forward, I really am determined to bring maybe not the specific individuals from the second edition, but maybe new artists and certainly Callis to Canada and, and activate these spaces here. Because what I see a lot of the time is that, you know, Canadians are activating Canadians, um, which is really wonderful, but sometimes to really activate your communities, to bring people in from different perspectives. So that's sort of my plan moving forward. You need that infiltration and that um, flow through. And in Toronto, you get a bit more of that than you do here in Calgary. Um, something that I've really loved about this radio program is actually how international sound art is. Folks who speak all kinds of different languages, people we would absolutely never encounter physically, we can encounter in this sort of radio space. And I really love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just have also a quick thought about radio. Um, speaking about sonic extinction, I really truly feel like radio is going to be, if not already seen as the more trusted form of communication, at least amongst humans, um, just because accessibility wise, you know, low cost, um, even when electricity and connectivity aren't reliable, um, you can still access the radio. So in in my opinion, I just feel like radio is the most uh, democratic form of, of mass communication. Fragments of Sonic Extinction may be a best practice project for broadcasting because uh, you have the audio works, yes, but they are all kind of dealing with sonic experiences and how like audio can achieve something or address things. 
So I, I think that Fragments has a lot of core elements of broadcasting, uh, but in a totally digital and non-linear way of thinking. And I would say all of the interviews and also our interview, this is part of Fragments, it's part of the work. You're listening to Ears Have Eyes on CGSW 90.9 FM. We're featuring fragments of sonic extinction on today's program, a new sound art exhibition and interactive website co-curated by Munich-based artist Callis Libfried and Toronto-based artist Laura Margaret Ramsey. Learn more about the project on their website, sonicextinction.net. We're nearing the end of this month's episode, Sound Death Part 1. We'll be featuring more work from Fragments of Sonic Extinction next month, alongside an interview with Danish sound artist Jakob Kierkegaard, sound sculpture by Victoria-based artist Alison Big, and much more. In the meantime, we're finishing our program with a work by Eduardo Garcia, a Mexico City-based artist working at the intersection of soundscape and scientific data sonification. Surrounded Nature is a piece created from field recordings at Chapultepec Woods in Mexico City the biggest and most important preserved nature area in the city. The area is surrounded by roads and constant car flow. The recordings present a night walk from inside the woods into the streets, a transition from one paradigm to the next. This is Surrounded Nature by Eduardo Garcia. <laughs> 